Good Sunday morning, Northgate. Let's get into God's word this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for your word this morning. We pray that we will be blessed by it, that we will grow. Lord, that we'd become more like you. We pray that your Holy Spirit would minister to us. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen. So this morning, we're going to be looking at a word of Jesus, not necessarily a parable, but a statement in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17. It's the story of the rich young ruler. So it's recorded in Matthew, Mark and Luke, but we're going to look at Mark and it comes on the heels of Jesus blessing the children, doing something his disciples wouldn't think he would have done they wanted to shoo away the children but Jesus has them come close and then he's on his way because it says in verse 17 as he was going out on the road one came running knelt before him and asked him good teacher what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life interesting he says good we're going to get into that but it could also be translated good master so this title is a very strong one so jesus said to him why do you call me good no one is good but one that is god he then goes on to say in verse 19 you know the commandments do not commit adultery do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and he said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way. So whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. Verse 22, but he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Verse 23, then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. And here's our statement. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished. No, they weren't astonished. They were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, Houses, brothers and sisters and mothers, children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. 
So you probably read that story before and there's a lot of things to look at within it. But first of all, why would Jesus point to this rich young ruler to do action instead of belief? Because we know we believe with all our hearts that it's those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ who will be saved, not those who do the commandments. For the law cannot save you. And we're thinking to ourselves, why is Jesus saying that? So the first point today is it is not about our behavior, but it's about our belief. And Jesus is getting at this maybe a way that we wouldn't get at it. Now, Jesus is the master teacher. He's He gets people to the point. He tries to show them not only in their mind, but their heart. So he's not only trying to teach the rich young ruler, he's trying to teach his disciples and us what is truly the only way to get to eternity is through God, not through our behavior. But he has to he has to break the ideas in their head. And as with the parables or these statements, he's got to go counter culture to what they would have known. By the way, if the disciples would have seen this man, and that's why not only are they astonished, it says they're greatly astonished at Jesus' reaction to him. Because in that culture, we would know if you were wealthy, it was because God was blessing you. That's what they thought. In the Old Testament, that's kind of living under that kind of theology. We know that Deuteronomy would often say, if you do what God says, you'll be blessed. No disease, no curses that God will give to you. That's really an Old Testament thought that if you obey, you will have what you need. You will be successful. And that can sneak into some of our thinking today too. If I do the right thing, I'll be blessed financially or even some theology out there. But we know that's not the truth. And as we go into the New Testament, our blessing is in the presence of God. Now that could come in all sorts of different ways, but his presence first and foremost, yeah, we could uh, not be sick. We might be sick. We know that uh, the uh, rain comes down on the righteous and the unrighteous. But here in their thinking, it's important to realize that this guy has a lot, okay? So he's being blessed. So he really is close to God. So when the disciples are looking at the rich young ruler and his finances and his riches, they're saying, wow. And also not only is he wealthy, but look, he's obeying all the rules. Actually, if this guy would come into our church, we would say, this is the perfect Christian. Look at his life. He's, man, he is externally, behavior-wise, super righteous. He is wealthy. He's being honored by God for his sacrifice. He is absolutely incredible. And why would Jesus say to him, well, not really so. There's something more. Why didn't he just you know, say to him, you need to believe, like we would hear at other points in the Bible. And I think the reason is Jesus is trying again to show them that behavior is never the way. It's an impossibility because there's always a way in which we will fall short. Note that when Jesus asks him what commands he's following, he doesn't ask him. These are, by the way, from the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter twenty. 
they would say these are from the second table. So these are the latter half of the Ten Commandments. We know like do not steal, do not murder, do not bear false witness, don't lie, honor your father and mother. These don't take into account the first couple, the first few, which are what? That we're to honor and worship and love the Lord God above any other gods. Not to have idols in our life. But he goes away from those things, which, yeah, the rich ruler is failing at, and says, if you think it's about behavior, have you done these things? And we know his heart. He's trying to find the way. He, he even kneels in, in humility. But Jesus says, you know what? What about selling all that you have? And he knows in his behavior, he cannot do it 100%. And we know the word of God says, if you break it, the law in one way, you've broken it in all ways, and it's an impossibility. And Jesus does say about the rich man, trusting in riches, it's like a camel going through the eye of the needle. But I would expand that out. It's to anyone who thinks by works or behavior or trusting in riches that they think the kingdom of God is theirs, that no, it's an impossibility. Anyways, I did bring out a little needle here yeah see wow that's small and some people in their theology like oh no that was a donkey kneeling down uh, at a special gate or needle in the wall in jerusalem no, no 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 jesus is saying an impossible thing because he says it's impossible with man you have this small thing and the biggest animal they would have known is a camel in their time. Now, I don't have a camel. I only had a toy horse, but it's just not happening to get the horse through the needle. It's an impossibility, and this is just a toy. Your behavior, your money, your comfort, your works, your striving, your self-reliance will never get you into the kingdom of God. You see, he says, it's impossible for man but what's impossible for man is possible with God but it is possible with God through the work of Jesus Christ and that's what Jesus is pointing them to he's pointing them to himself and he's actually going to go on and talk about his death and resurrection after this this is the key it's not our ability and this guy would have been we would have said he had it all and maybe even today, if we saw someone like that, we say, I had it all, but he doesn't have enough. He's trusting in his finances and he's not trusting in the Lord. And today, if you think in any way by trusting in yourself and your work that you can enter or inherit the kingdom of God, you have no chance. It's an impossibility. But I love, absolutely love how Jesus responds to this man and we see the heart of christ and i guess if my first point is it's never about behavior it's always about belief and obviously our belief will change our behavior but we can't get them mixed up the second point i want to bring forth to you today as we look here in verse 21 jesus knowing this guy is off and trying to do it in his work looks at him in verse 21 with love you know, sometimes I might read this story and, and think to myself, oh, Jesus, he's going to say, like, I told you so. 
come on fellow, what are you doing? You know, sometimes we get that picture, like God being a know-it-all or God saying, I, I told you so. No, that's not the heart of God. And again, that verse 21, he looked at him with love. He loved him, it says. As he spoke those words, he loved him. It was his desire that the rich man would come to the understanding, this rich young ruler, that it wasn't about his ability. It wasn't about his riches. He couldn't trust in his behavior. He couldn't trust in his comfort, in his resources. There was absolutely no way. And he wanted to tell him, but it says he loved him. And that's the heart of God. And the heart of God would be one to create a way for us. And even, even as Jesus is correcting us, even as Jesus is teaching this lesson, he loves us. As he's telling us really hard things, the Gospels are full of hard things, Jesus loves us because he knows what's best for us. And he says some crazy hard things, but it's because he loves us and he knows what's best for us. And he knows what's best for the rich young ruler. And, it, and it's not to trust in himself, his self-effort or his money, but it's to trust in Christ. And you know what? Not here only, but there's a lot of hard statements. By the way, there's very few places. This might be one of the only ones where Jesus says, go sell everything. He does tell people to follow him, but he only said this to him because he knew that's where he would fail. But Jesus loves us so much. He, he, he gives us statements. And I was listening to a sermon this week by uh, someone I really enjoy. His name is Pastor Tim. And he was saying, yeah, Jesus is full of hard statement, but he loves us to try and protect us. For instance, a statement like hate. If you're going to be my disciple, you have to hate your mother and father, your wife. Like, think about that. And you're like, what the, are you really serious, God? Uh, or, you know, money in a sense, you have to give it all up. Are, are you serious, God? Like, these are really hard, hard statements. But I found in my life, it's not that money is the problem, it's your trust in money. It's not family or parents or wife or children. That's the problem. It's when they take precedence. Or it's when my identity is in those things instead of Christ. Because Jesus knows that those things will always let me down in the end. And I think I practically experienced that in my life. And you know what? You throw yourself into your family. You throw yourself into marriage. And I think, yeah, obviously we're supposed to, to work hard, to do well. But if they take a position over Christ that we're in trouble because they're going to let us down. I remember my life kind of in the last couple of years going through this reshaping of my identity because I really believe it was in the wrong places as as a as a man it was in my family or in my ministry or in what I was doing for God. So even these are good things. But if Daniel is Daniel the pastor, or if it's Daniel the father of nine, or Daniel the husband of Amy, or Daniel fill in the blank who thought he was an athlete. And that's who I think I am above 
Daniel, the child of God, what happens? And Jesus knows this as he tells us these hard statements. All of those things are going to let us down. You know, what I found with my family is my kids grew up and they're starting to leave the house and this identity, oh no, what, who, who am I now? <laughs> they're all leaving. Uh, yeah, though still a father, it wasn't the same. And being crushed in some ways or in ministry when something goes wrong or someone gets angry at you or you make a mistake or you even don't and they choose a different path and go another way and they're angry with you and it's devastating because Daniel thinking he's good pastor or good preacher and finds out, well, it's not quite that way. Or when younger, Daniel the athlete thought he was okay and, and he hurt himself and was never the same. And that is crushed. And as my identity was in those things, as they could and slip into saying, yeah, I'm a follower of God, but I'm using God to be a better parent, or I'm using God to be successful in my ministry career. Instead of God, you're at the top. I'm following you, and I'll do what you say. And always he enhances those things, but he has to be at the top because Christ knows if those things take precedence, and we could throw in money with the rich man here, or become our identity or our comfort, we're in deep trouble. And the love of God speaks to us speaks hard things to say, this will not do. It will only lead to disappointment, discouragement, and distress. Whereas if you put me at the top and understand I'm the only way and get your identity in me each and every other day, every day, man, you're protecting yourself. And I found as the Lord has changed my heart and my identity over and over back to, I am his child. I am loved by him. And I am who I am because of Jesus Christ, not because of these other things and these hard statements to be careful of that and to let them go and put Christ in his right spots are because God loves me as God loved that rich man. And you might be sensing that today. What hard statement is God saying to you? Where has something maybe sneaked to become an idol in your life where you're worshiping it more than God? Well, we need to be careful and turn and understand. The third thing, as we continue and just to finish off, the disciples are absolutely astonished, you know, and greatly astonished. And we see that because this seemed to be the perfect guy and the impossibility in our strength. But then Peter has this crazy statement, you know, assuredly, you know, we've, we've left all to follow you. Like, hey, Jesus, we, we have done this. And Jesus' answer is great, but he says, assuredly, I say to you, there's no one who has left house, brothers, sisters, or father, mother, or wife, children, or lands for my sake or the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold in this time. No, with persecutions, right? But we will be blessed in this age and the age to come. So I guess, finally, the third point is, you know, following Christ and having him be our central identity above everything else and the one we worship only and putting everything else in its rightful place, there's a great cost to be a disciple of Christ. But here we see there's great reward. 
that reward in eternity and talking about money that, you know, I find the older I get, I want to get comfort and thinking, how am I secure? But my security is in God and my treasures should be in heaven. And I have to be careful. Money's not the problem, but it's my trust that I'm going to be okay in money. But I have to know, again, my treasure needs to be built in eternity. That I need to be quick to follow God and what he asked me to do. And that can go back to all these other things in terms of family and career and whatever my identity is in. It has to be in him. But there's a cost to that, to following him, to being his disciple. But again, eternity. And no, even in this world, I will have great reward. A hundredfold. Well, how does that work? Well, I think in the body of Christ. So I have one home. If I'm in trouble, I can go to a lot of people's homes because I believe they would take me in. And you expand yourself. That God does bless you, but it can't be what you want. It's a secondary thing that happens. But primarily in the body of Christ, we have so much, so much. God loves us. And he's not looking to take everything away from us, but he wants all our attention. He wants to be worshipped and he wants to be the priority. And as we obey him, he gives back in beautiful ways. Again, into my story as ministry was difficult and no God, you have to be the priority. Almost seems as the Lord continually shows me that he will add to ministry in my family, in my marriage, as I put God first and I don't try to to find myself in my marriage, or I don't try to find who I am in that, or, oh, honey, you got to say, I need this from you <laughs> to say I'm great to, to feed me up. No, if I don't need that, actually, my marriage is much, much stronger. And I found that in my life as, as Christ is there, I, I become a better parent as my, my kids leave the house. And, and with money, as I trust him and give as uh, he shows me he provides everything. His his reward is there. And then eternally, we're living for eternity. And it's absolutely amazing. I was thinking of Abraham. His identity quickly could have been in that only son, Isaac, that he had been waiting from from Sarah. Obviously, he had Ishmael before, but the promised child. And finally comes identity. You read in the Old Testament. And oh, this is the promise. This is so incredible. And his whole heart could have been there. And then God comes and says to him, you know, sacrifice this one to me, Isaac. I think it's crazy. And I think it speaks to us. It's not that God would ever want children to die, but he wants our worship to be only about him. Only about him. And he was testing. It says clearly he was testing Abraham. And I don't think he would have ever allowed it to happen. But he was testing his heart. And then Abraham is obedient, saying, No, God, my obedience, you, my identity in you is more important even than this child that I was waiting for. And I love it how God tests him, but he gives it all back. They came down the mountain together, together. And I see these things as God has preeminence, as Jesus takes preeminence in our worship and our identity is in him. 
that it is possible through Jesus to do the impossible, and then he gives it back. Praise God in amazing ways, but in his perspective, in his way. And it's absolutely incredible. So I guess my three points today, if we're going to rewind to help you and the rich young ruler, um, the impossibility, yeah, the camel going through the eye of a needle. In our own strength, our behavior, it's impossible to get to eternity. Jesus knew that by showing him he was a sinner, even though he had done a, a lot of right and could have seen as a spiritual man, he wasn't trusting in the Lord. So it's not about our behavior to get to heaven. It's about our belief. And praise God, Jesus, point number two, loves us. He loves us to tell us that, to show us hard things, that our identity would be completely focused on him. And thirdly, as we follow him, he does ask hard things. There is a great cost to put him at the center of our life, but there is great reward and his way is the best way. Praise God. I hope you're encouraged today and we'll see you next time. Be blessed. Lord bless our body and those watching today. May we know truly you are the only way. May our identity be in you. Yeah, Lord. May we walk in the spirit. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.